Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. Today's episode, we take a dive into the filmography of John Carpenter and create a top 10 of his directed films. We are joined again by guests Nicholas Alexander from Scarybox Productions and our British friend Rob. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, we are talking about, personally, one of my favorite directors, and I think our two guests might also agree, one of the greatest directors of all time, John Carpenter. The best. We are joined once again by Nick Alexander and also our good friend, Rob. Represent. From the United Kingdom. Unfortunately. Sorry for your loss. Because Rob, Nick, and I are the only ones who have seen enough movies to make a top 10. Take turns saying the bottom six movies. Jory is going to get a place number four, and then all vetoes will be gone. So the way that this works is whoever's turn it is, they get a nominated movie, and all of us have one veto. We're talking about top 10 movies here. If you have a list that's longer, like I do, I'm going to have some honorable mentions on my personal list before we announce our group list. So this is only a top 10 list, right? Yes. Yeah. And you can use your vetoes up until round three. That's where it's going to get spicy. Nick, you are our scheduled guest. I want to hear what your number 10 John Carpenter movie is. Uh, I would have to put uh, Starman. And I'm going to veto that. It's probably going to be Nate. I haven't seen it. But with Starman, like, if I had a top 10 to give someone to, like, watch Carpenter, like, this would be it. Because I know this is, like, was, a, like, a more mainstream movie made. And, and it got a nomination. Bridges got a nomination for the Oscars. So that's why I say Starman number 10. I'm going to veto this now. Oh, you're going to veto Josh. <laughs> no, I'm not going to veto this. I was going to say, of all the John Carpenter movies, Josh has seen Starman's one of them. <laughs> Josh is like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite David Bowie songs. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hmm, do I want to veto this? I do have it a fair bit higher. Where's John Carter on everyone's list? Stop it. What? <laughs> John Carter from Mars. Yeah, you know what? I'll do it. It's the first round. Nate's using his iconic veto first round. Oh, there it is. Whoa. Uh-huh. I, I have Starman a bit higher. Instead, at number 10, I'm going to nominate The Fog. Dude, oh, I'm sorry. It's the way it is. The Fog is a fine Fine. John Carpenter movie. I think it thrives more on its atmosphere and more on the performances in the film than some of his other horror outings, but I don't think it reaches the same stride as his best horror films. I would personally rather watch the movies in his Apocalypse trilogy than I would The Fog. Or Halloween, of course. I want a veto. I want a veto. Or Christine. You can veto a veto if you want. Veto, but I'm not going to. You're not going to tempt me, Nate. I'm going to use them all up right at the start. I just personally have a lot of love for Starman. I think I, I watched it for the first time in preparation for this episode, and I was blown away by how, one, how well it has aged. For being like an 80s kind of sci-fi romance drama, you think it would just be really dated and cheap. Uh, I need to share my love for Starman a little bit higher. I'm leaning towards Nate on this one because Nick admitted that he hasn't seen this one. Since he hasn't seen Starman, why do you think The Fog should go higher, though? What do you like about The Fog? What I like about The Fog is, uh, to me, it kind of felt like it's... I know this is going to be weird, but it was the movie he... Like, actual theatrical release movie, The Fog. Like, uh... 
I really like I know like Nick Holy right with like the, everything with the atmospheric and like that sort of thing with it kind of uh plays on that a lot. But I I find that really cool. Like with Halloween, like it was supposed to be anthology and like if they were to like if it was like an anthology series, if it were to be like Halloween then the fog, like I would totally like and also just for movie. And I could try I would like I'd try to defend it as much as I can, but like I think in the end Nate's probably more right than I am. I think you would have a preference for the fog, Josh, because it has pirate ghosts. Ooh. That sounds pretty epic. Ooh. The highlight for me in the movie is uh you got Jamie Lee Curtis again who was in Halloween but you also have her mom, Janet Lee, who is in Psycho. Yo. They share a lot of scenes together, and that chemistry is super solid. I think the cast works surprisingly well, and again, the atmosphere is great. I just think that Starman stands out so much more in John Carpenter's filmography, even though there are some really great highs in the fog. I think the pacing in the third act kind of ruins it for me for the, the fog. It kind of has its chills and its thrills in the first two acts, and then has like a slow kind of dissolve where a lot of his best horror films the stakes continue to escalate okay i'm fi- I'm fine with it being number 10 like i was gonna say i have the fog at number seven like for me if anything like the top five i have is something i really want to protect yeah that's why i'm protecting yeah i have starman higher than seven so i think this was a good use of a veto rob rob you want to go with your number nine well i had the fog so i guess i'm gonna have to rearrange things so for my number nine uh that is assault on precinct 13. okay yeah i have it at number eight personally um believe it or not this is his highest critically received film interesting really uh yeah it's the uh highest rated on rotten tomatoes and i believe metacritic which is insane that is really interesting uh what's your take on assault in precinct 13. see i, I really i really love the idea uh it's been a while since i've seen it uh there's a few things i can remember here and there but i just i just do remember that it's like it's very different from what he usually makes, uh, I appreciate that. I also like the fact this film doesn't put any punches, like a little girl gets shot, restraint to it, I don't think. There's a lot of interesting, brutal ideas. It's a nice sort of mesh between the cop characters and the prisoners. I think that was pretty interesting. And I just like the idea that it's one continuous siege. Uh, This is actually the other one that I watched in preparation for this for the first time, and I was actually blown away. Um, the budget for this film was $100,000. Yeah, I was looking at that right now, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, he pretty much asked his film school friends, parents for the money to make the film and had this real guerrilla shoot. He had to fight the MPAA to even get it theatrically released because it was going to get X-rated for that uh, that little girl kill scene. Um, there's a lot of really graphic violence in this movie, and uh, like Rob was saying, the siege premise. This movie feels like it's a zombie movie, but instead of zombies, you've got a gang of violent criminals. Uh, I think this movie walked, so a lot of his later movies that I really love uh, could run. But I haven't seen uh, Assault and Precinct 13 all the way. I've just seen like parts of it, but like from what I've seen of it, like and they're just like established like his style of like group like uh, character films and like just in a setting and how they react and then just dealing with like outside threats and that sort of thing. It really started him doing more films like after that of like of uh, group just group character films and that sort. Of yeah, thing. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I do as well. There's definitely a lot of a uh, later carpenter in this film, which I think is something that needs to be paid attention to. All right. So Assault on Precinct 13, number nine. We are now going into number eight, and uh, I'm going to place what I had at my number nine here, which is In the Mouth of Madness. I was between In the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness for this spot on my list. I have the same uh, feelings towards both of them. The idea that Carpenter brings to the film 
is really great. But I think both of these movies kind of lack in the execution department, but for very different reasons. Premise of Prince of Darkness, better than the premise of that of In the Mouth of Madness, but the performances in In the Mouth of Madness escalate the movie and the weaker premise significantly specifically you've got sam neill and i honestly think one of his best uh career performances and he's playing this like uh he's like an insurance agent that's looking into like these like really brutal murders that are going on and it's all written by a guy who is a caricature of stephen king who's like this horror novelist and what he writes people do the horrible criminal actions and what i think is really cool is when carpenter was writing this and it's one of those he wrote under an alias he wrote it under a different name because he tends to do that he doesn't like taking all the credit for his films michael de luca apparently is the writer (laughs) and he actually used stephen king as a script consultant and they were they were great friends because they worked so closely together on christine as that movie went into production before the book was published it's probably I would say John Carpenter's last great film. Rip. F. Rip. I was gonna I was gonna ask like uh, Nate between like like the visuals and like horror visuals of the two, like which would if you were to recommend to someone based on like horror effects and that sort of thing, which would you recommend? I like Prince of Darkness, like enough like you know, it's a fun John Carpenter movie, but like like you said, I think the execution lacked a bit, but but what I loved about Prince of Darkness and what made me win to keep watching it was just the horror effects of it. Like was it um the scene where just like I can't, I can't. It's been a, a few weeks since I watched it, but the scene where like, like the dudes like all like covered in bugs and like maggots and stuff, like standing outside the building, like warning them and stuff like that. Then Alice Cooper is with the whole crew and stuff. I can't remember the specific scene. Yeah, Alice Cooper plays like a zombie homeless person, and he's like the leader of this pact of zombie homeless people invading this church. It's also a siege movie, but it's like also about these like scientists that are trying to figure out what this slime is and it turns out to be the antichrist it's it's a crazy crazy movie whoa sounds awesome when i watched it for the first time i was so i did not know who the cast was and i was blown away that i recognized two from big trouble little china like the uh the older Asian guy and the guy who played Wang. In my head, I was just thinking like this, I'm just gonna pretend this is the sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. (laughs) (laughs) So any disagreements with In the Mouth of Madness at number eight? Nope, I think this is going In the Mouth of number eight. Back to you, Nick, with number seven. Number seven, well, I had the fog there. (laughs) Whoops. Oh, I'm gonna have to put Starman there. I gotta protect my top five. I'll put Starman number seven. Okay. I have it one spot higher. There we go. Okay. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. What I really find interesting about Starman is it feels like Carpenter took a script that was supposed to be directed by Steven Spielberg and just ran with it. And I think a lot of that comes from the spite of the thing bombing at the box office because it opened the same week as E.T. That still makes me upset. I honestly feel Carpenter went in with this kind of spiteful uh, take on directing the film. Simple premise, I guess, where this alien takes over the body of uh, Karen Allen from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, who gives, I think this is her second best performance, period. I think she's incredible in this movie. Jeff Bridges also has a great performance, and you really buy their like relationship as this alien-possessed dude living in her husband's body needs to go on a road trip to get back to his spaceship in fucking Area 51. Like, the, the premise is just wild, but... There's so much heart and there's so many like 
great characters and moments and honestly like a beautiful relationship that like comes from this uh, jeff bridges like carries this really like sci-fi uh like character to the level in which he got an academy award nomination for a genre movie which is incredibly wild that's awesome i think one thing that john carpenter doesn't get enough credit for is how well he actually directs actors that's like the most underrated aspect of his directing everyone will point out uh how well he works with different cinematographers everyone will point out his incorporation of of score and people will also point out just his style and use of genre what i think is super underrated about him is how well he can direct talent this is the best movie to showcase that element of his work in my opinion. I spent two hours rearranging this list. I know it sounds really silly, but this is probably like the hardest list I've ever had to make. But same. <laughs> Rob, what do you think of Starman? Have you seen Starman? I have not seen Starman, but I've been convinced to see it. Rob, it's your turn to place a movie at number six. At number six, I have Escape from New York. Okay. Uh... I, I had Christina at number six. I think Escape from New York should be in the top five. Because, like, for me, with, like, if I were to give, like, a top five of John Carpenter movies, I feel like Escape from New York at least needs to be, like, number five. I will, I will veto that one, actually. I will veto that one and put... Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Woo. I would veto Christine. Christine at six. I think it needs to be higher. What? <laughs> uh... I love Christine. I think it's awesome. I love Christine too. But it... Oh, okay. I'm getting I'm getting Pixar flashbacks. <laughs> I'm getting Tim Burton flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what are what are you nominating? I'll take one. I'll I'll leave Christine then. If that's what the board one so that's what i'll do so you're not gonna veto i'm not gonna veto no i'm gonna save my veto just in case something i really really feel passionate about gets put down right i don't think it should be all right so that's christine at number six yeah do you want to uh, share some love for christine though rob since you seem to have quite the passion for it i do absolutely love it i think it's a phenomenal film i think there's so much little details in that i think are awesome the way arnie uh, each scene you see him in he's changed slightly in his costume his attitude changes i think the idea that it's like this sentient car sounds like a really odd idea but it's played so well it's filmed uh, and plotted in such a fantastic structure that it becomes convincing you're no longer just thinking oh that's a strange concept you, you get drawn in completely uh, there's loads of bits i love in terms of visuals i love the bit where the car fixes itself i think that's just awesome and i just love this symbiotic relationship arnie develops with christine i think that's so cool christine's the best yeah the way you guys have talked about this wanted to check out and it probably would have been the movie I would have watched today if I did have time. There's just so many iconic films he has, and I don't know if a film like that would belong in the top five, even though it might be very underrated. Yeah, especially if it's going up against something like Escape from New York, which I would argue is one of his more iconic films. We'll talk about this later when we actually start to place Escape from New York, but to me, like the influence that John Carpenter has had as a filmmaker can almost most strongly be seen in Escape from New York because it didn't only go on to influence other films, but things in other mediums as well. Like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, of course. I know like you say you haven't seen Christine. Like one, it's it's like what Rob, everything what Rob said is absolutely true. It's so good. Like for me, I was struggling between six and five because I was wanting to put Christine at five until I thought about and and everything what Joyce said is I think is correct and Escape from New York should be at least be number five. We'll we'll you know wherever it gets to we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. But like with Christine, like it's a near top five and like also just I was gonna say too this like if you like Stephen King, I 
for me like I, everybody likes the shining for me i think christine is like the best like move for me book to movie adaptation from like a stephen king book it's definitely up there like john carper and stephen king like you know work together like you know on it and i'm pretty sure like out of like all the stephen king movies that have been adapted from his books i feel like christine is probably one of his fa- i think I have, I have to look up a source but i feel like christine is one that he would admire because i know he hates the shining <laughs> yeah he's he's in later years gone back on his hate of the shining a little bit didn't he didn't he like write a series yeah he did his own uh yeah there was a tv miniseries it's bad it's really really bad and it, it, but it's way more book accurate and uh about the book accuracy of christine it's incredibly book accurate almost to a fault and that's what i really really like about christine is it has this so stupid premise like a haunted car this is like alden's worst nightmare (laughs) (laughs) bits it does change other bits absolutely did need to change in my opinion there was a lot of cocaine snorted in the making of this film and i think it turned out for the better (laughs) amazing especially for the car scene when it changes back into itself that is the coolest scene of the movie i also like the scene where he kills the uh the bully guy with and like the way that they shoot like the headlights it actually makes a ghost car terrifying in like two scenes and you're like how am I scared of a car right now? Uh, Christine goes on absolute rampage and takes out like three people at once. It's, just, it's so well done. It's just this chaotic bloodbath of a car. It's, it's just awesome. So Alden, I have a question for you. Yeah. I want you to take three guesses on who voices Christine in this movie. No one help him out. Uh... 83, right? Well, first off, Alden, have you seen this movie? I have not seen Christine, no. Who does the voice of the car? Uh... Do you want me to make it like a who wants to be a millionaire question? Yes. A friend. <laughs> a, John Carpenter. B, John Goodman. C, John C. Riley. Or D, none of the above. <laughs> I'm kind of leaning towards John Carpenter. Ding, ding, ding. You are incorrect. The car does not talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. Ghost cars can't talk, dummy. <laughs> said they just play music on the radio (laughs) but he does fuck the car oh no (laughs) all right i'm gonna place number five and i think this is where things are gonna start to get really controversial my number five is they live veto i can finally speak i have to yeah i wish i had a veto i would have done the same it's all right i will use my veto what the fuck will i put here hold on (laughs) (laughs) i just want to say i agree with nate on this one uh Hey Nick, since you were gonna veto, what movie would you put here? I would, if I were to put something at number five, I'd put Escape from New York. I think They Live is better. Whoa! I would have done the same. Well, I could, I could flip flop those two. Like for me, I have a top three that I need to keep. I mean, those two are like if they flip flop, it works. But I think Escape from New York is number five, and I think They Live is just a bit better. Well, I mean, I do agree with you here, Nick. Though I think Escape from New York, like I've only seen the first act of this movie, but oh, the best part. There's a better movie starring Kurt Russell, directed by John Carpenter, that will be later on this list. I don't. There's two. Exactly. Yes. In my opinion, there are. I don't think this movie needs as much love as like other people on the panel may think. I think They Live was a really interesting movie that uh, kept me really like intrigued and the visuals of the uh, uh, skulls. I think were like actually like creepy and frightening. And like I saw this movie like three weeks ago and I love Rowdy Roddy Piper. Maybe it's the wrestling fan in me, but I thought he- it is the wrestling fan. 
at it. Yeah. He was really likable in this movie and really fun. Is it, Jory? Maybe maybe you'll let me finish speaking. No, he's awesome in this film. Also, like him and David Keith, like had I thought had an awesome like chemistry together. Like Keith David. And, and even though like the scene, like it feels so long. Like I'm not a wrestling fan, but I always enjoy the scene. Like, what was it? It's just when they fight each other in the alley. Just yes, for the pair of glasses. It is so good. Like, I love that. Wasn't that, like, at one stage, the longest uh, fist fight in cinema history or something? It felt like it. I think it goes on for seven and a half minutes. Yeah, it's long, but it's awesome because it's long. When Roddy Roddy Piper passed away in his tribute video, because I was watching Raw live, they made sure to keep the scene where he said, um... The bubblegum line. That is one of the most iconic lines of the movie. That is one of my favorite. Nate has to play it in the video. And that goes beyond wrestling. I don't care what he fucking says right now. I think it is a very, like, fun movie. Yeah, it is a very fun movie. We've been in the, like, we've had fun movies this entire list, though. You don't know that? I feel like They Live is a movie that has an interesting concept, but doesn't have... <laughs> the content to really fill it out like that seven minute fist fight scene yeah it's cool but it also goes on for seven minutes yeah that's the point it's so over dramatic it's great that's why it's cool you're missing the point jory you're being too much of a big brother to go watch days of future past again josh you have two options either put on the glasses or start eating that trash can <laughs> <laughs> i think this might be uh john carpenter's most politically charged film definitely i don't know if it has a whole lot to say yes yeah its premise alone is super awesome and it's it's iconic yes picture of andre the giant is what created the whole obey aesthetic and brand i i think that these glasses that let you see the world for what it really is or whatever is a really interesting take and the entire time i was watching this movie with you guys three weeks ago I was literally like, this feels like 2020. This like this is the most <laughs> accurate yeah, really John Carpenter has ever portrayed the future, and a lot of his movies take place in the near future. It's absolutely ridiculous how well that film is uh, applicable to today. It's phenomenal. Well, I feel like the main reason for that is a lot of the same problems that they had back then we still have today. We just haven't fixed fucking anything. Well, holy crap, yeah, that's true. It's no longer like, you know, you look back and think, well, they could have told that message more subtly. It's told perfectly. In a weird way, reminds me of uh sorry to bother you yes tries to take the theming of uh class issues and yeah, definitely. theme that a lot of people are afraid to do and i think that's why i have a lot of respect for the film uh alden i have a question for you again this is like the mini round this is like the bonus section <laughs> <laughs> asking alden all right so we're gonna we're gonna put this to a vote have you seen either they live or escape from new york uh i have seen a part of escape from the new york uh, sorry, Escape from New York a while ago. And none of they live? No. Have you at least seen like the stuff where he puts on the glasses and sees the zombies? Uh, I'm pretty sure I have, yeah. I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm not telling you which movie is which. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer the movie with strong anti-capitalist themes and the rich being portrayed as aliens from another planet that look like skeleton monsters? <laughs> 
or do you like the movie where Snake Plissken is sent to New York to rescue, or I guess he's already there, is, is in New York rescuing the president who helicopter crashed over the island of Manhattan that has turned into a fucking prison state full of uh, <laughs> 400,000 of the world's deadliest criminals. Choose wisely, Alden. Um, I'm going to go with the first one. So Alden's voting for They Live. Jory, you're voting for Escape from New York. Escape from New York. That's fine. Josh. You're sticking with They Live? All right. I'm also on Escape from New York. And Nick and Rob are both voting for They Live. So it's three to three. They Live all the way. It's four to two, right? Oh, shit. You're right. There it is. Escape from New York, number five. Can't argue with democracy. This is how democracy dies, with thunderous applause. Uh, if only. Well, Jory, it's your turn to place number four. All right. Well, I guess this is appropriate. Uh, they Live is my number four. Okay. Yeah. For a second, Jory, I thought you were going to pull my leg and say Big Trouble. Oh, fuck no. I would have punched you through the screen. Thankfully, I watched Big Trouble for the first time last night, and thank God I did. This is now one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. I really, I, I think, I think number four is a fantastic place for They Live. Um, I, I would have personally put it one spot lower, like Jory, but how different it is and what Josh was kind of talking about with like the themes that would be like difficult to tackle. I, I think it's something that only really John Carpenter could do and make it still an entertaining film. I love how John Carpenter doesn't extend his movies to be like two hours long even though they could be he's the king of the 90 minute runtime and if they live was five minutes longer it would be like three spots lower on my list it's just long enough for me to be fully invested and when it has that kind of it's not really a third act twist because you can kind of see it coming but that like reversal in the third in the very end of the movie and you're like well this is the end it's like okay wrapped it up put a nice little bow on it we're done we're in and out quick 90 minute adventure i think the next three movies have a little bit more beyond the quick adventure element personally agreed i will uh say right now though i did have one movie lower on my thing they live was placed at number four on my list but i thought it would cause a shit storm <laughs> if i tried to place the fifth movie i think i know what that movie is We'll get there when we get there. And now we are no longer using vetoes. We are in the top three. I think we know what these three movies are. And I think there's a very particular order in which these three need to go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've got, in no particular order, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, and Halloween. Who's going first? <laughs> I think Jory and I are on the same page. Halloween should be number three. I agree. What? <laughs> No, it needs to be number two. It should be number two. I think Big Trouble should be number three. I'm what? No. No, it should be number three. I think Big. I think Halloween is a great movie, but Big Trouble should be number two. Not only is Halloween timeless and amazing, and it has so and like spawns so many you know all right sequels and not the best sequels, but I think maybe <laughs> you shouldn't have mentioned those. I know I hurt myself a little bit, but anyway, <laughs> even though there was Black Christmas, uh, thing like Halloween was the one that started the whole slasher genre and made it more more popular, and like you know is the reason why everything with regarding around a slasher. It, with a knife with a mask and doesn't talk like started trending and just happy birthday to me april fool's day prom night uh which also had jamie lee curtis i think and uh friday the 13th and just all of that and like even and like you know i do it, big trouble is great 
like it's that like I'm not denying that it's one of my favorite movies too. But I think if you're gonna if you're thinking about tops like three, like if if you're to give an order, like you know for number two and three, Big Trouble is a fantastic movie. It's fun, it's funny. It's got Kurt Russell. Uh, you know it has like all these like like uh like just trippy visual effects and just and this kung fu action. It's just an all around great fun movie. But like but with the impact of Halloween, I think Halloween should be at least uh, a ranking higher than Big Trouble. I agree with what you're saying, and I do like appreciate everything that it has done for the horror genre. But personally, I believe that the horror genre and the franchise itself has progressed past Halloween one. I feel like number three on this list is extremely respectful. It's a case of something that invented, well, not quite invented, but definitely like was the foundation for what the genre became feeling derivative because everything else just copied it afterwards. And I think that some of those copies have taken the concept further, but with big trouble and the other movie that we haven't mentioned on here, the thing, both of those movies, I feel like are just completely unique. Like, I can't really look at any other thing and be like, oh, yeah, this is big trouble in Little China. This gives me the same feeling that that movie did. It's just too fucking crazy. You've never got a, a film like it since, have you? It's his own thing. No one's ever come close to it. I hear you, Jory. You make a lot of great points, but you're wrong. Rob, what do you think should be here, Rob? Sorry, I disconnected for a second. What were you debating here? So, number three, we're between Halloween and Big Trouble in Little China. Well, I would personally say that I prefer Big Trouble in Little China. Absolutely. Thank you. I think it's just, it's a lot more iconic. There's been how many Halloween films since there's only been one Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China has a lot of influence that's spread out, but no one element of it. I think people are just like, oh yeah. I think John Carpenter as a whole, and the reason I have these movies ranked the way that I do, I certainly agree that Halloween started a trend in the horror genre. I don't know how much of that is originally invented. I would say that it just took elements from pre-existing killer kind of movies and did them in a very well-presented way. I think all three of these movies have the three best musical scores out of John Carpenter's filmography. I, uh, well, Escape from New York's pretty high too. What is really interesting about John Carpenter as a whole is he's very much a contrarian. He is an outsider, even within the director's guild. He didn't want to be Mr. Mainstream. He didn't want to make movies that anyone would make. He wanted to make movies that only he could make. And Halloween is one of those movies that I feel could have only been made by John Carpenter, but everything else in the entire slasher genre after could have been done by someone else. And it was. And what I like about the original Halloween is simply the cinematography and not so much Carpenter's direction. I think the cast of Halloween is really, really weak, minus Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Uh, I think even Jamie Lee Curtis is better in Halloween, too. Hey, give her some slack. It was her first movie. Like, even though it's not on the list, but when it comes to Halloween 2, I don't really know if I agree with that. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is really good at Halloween 1. And then Halloween 2, most of the time, she's like, either like sleeping in like a hospital bed or like screaming or pretending to like be drugged. I, yeah, I, that's a weird take to me. Is that the script or is that the performance? I don't think the first one has a particularly good performance, to be honest. 
Um, I will say this, and this is a list for another year. Halloween's not even my favorite Halloween movie. So yeah, that was something else that I was kind of getting at. I know, Nate. I know it's not your favorite. <laughs> you mean in a couple weeks, Nate? Isn't Halloween two three on our bracket? I was talking about like ranking all the Halloween movies. We're, we're a couple years removed from doing that. We're gonna do that? Oh God, <laughs> probably. Shit, what did I want to say? Was it about how awesome Big Trouble in Little China is? Because I could talk for hours about that. As could I. My favorite thing about Halloween, like, almost isn't even, like, the whole, like, slasher part at the end. Most of that kind of just came off as, like, kind of funny to me, personally. But the first half of the movie, where it's, like, October 31st, like, the day is just fucking chilling where like jamie lee curtis is just getting straight up stalked this entire time and you just like sort of see him like the scene in the uh classroom where she's looking out the window and she just like sees his head peeking over the car i thought was fucking great yeah the environment's awesome uh hayden is it Haydenfield? Haydenfield. incredible setting it feels like every small midwest town around halloween even to this day and it was made on a 325 uh 325 budget it, and it grossed 47 million those are some good box office results that's huge <laughs> yeah and then on top of that the whole i and i understand nate like absolutely right with everything with this uh, slasher genre after but it started the popular trend the 80s slasher if we were to do sc- if, if we were to do scoring like uh like you know rankings here halloween i do think would be number three because like the scoring for big trouble is so fun to listen to but we're not talking about that we're talking about the movie and halloween should be two and Big Trouble should be three, and I will die. I will take the bullet for Halloween. I think that uh, I think that Halloween could quite possibly be John Carpenter's most iconic film. However, putting it higher than number three, I would take issue with. I would too. Um, can I suggest a different outcome here? Can you? I'm gonna do it. What what is, what is on your mind, Nate? Hmm. I think Halloween is John Carpenter's second best horror film. But I think Big Trouble in Little China is his best film. I think The Thing could be at number three before Big Trouble in Little China, personally. Mm. Mm. Oh, I, I cannot. Against that. Absolutely not. That's a loss of <laughs> so should we just vote here with uh, Big Trouble versus Halloween? At number three? I really don't want to vote here because I haven't seen Big Trouble. Josh, this would be your favorite John Carpenter movie. I promise. Josh, this 100% would be your favorite. I, I'm sure I would really like the movie, but I just don't feel comfortable voting for something I haven't seen. Like, Big Trouble has been on my, like, oh my god, it's been on my watch list for years, even before we started this podcast. Josh talked so much shit over this entire week about me not watching Carpenter movies. <laughs> I do homework for two days, and I get the essential. I didn't talk shit about you not watching Carpenter movies. I talked shit about you not doing in general i'm really proud of you this week jory <laughs> i really am um i guess i guess we should put it to a vote josh is taking himself out of the voting pool because he didn't do his homework <laughs> I, I really didn't this was my l okay alden big trouble in little china or halloween a number three correct yes i think halloween should be here have you seen both of these i have all right so alden is saying halloween jory halloween should be at number three josh has removed himself from the voting pool yeah i'm gonna say halloween i don't want to speak <laughs> i'm out i'm kidding i'm not i would also put halloween at number three damn nick is now michael myers <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna speak for 15 years and then he's gonna stun us all down <laughs> <laughs> maybe can, can i reverse that no oh no
I'll go down with Halloween. Nick's going to show up in Pennsylvania on Halloween. <laughs> All right. So are we ready for Nate to go full clown mode? Yep. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, I have Big Trouble in Little China as my number one John Carpenter film. And The Thing at number two. I kind of made that clear last round. I think The Thing is his best made movie. Uh, actually by like a landslide. I think The Thing is a masterpiece, but I can't think of a more entertaining movie off the top of my head than Big Trouble in Little China. If I had to pick any of these movies to just sit down and watch, it's Big Trouble in Little China. Don't get me wrong, the atmosphere, the practical effects, the, the score, everything about The Thing is a masterpiece. But for me, Big Trouble in Little China is the best John Carpenter movie. It has a little bit of everything everything that he has ever brought to the table. He does the score. It's probably my favorite uh, score of his, uh, mostly because there's two other composers in the thing. And honestly, he gets outshined significantly by... Uh, Ennio Morricone. The, one of the greatest movie scores of all time. Has very little to do with John Carpenter. But Big Trouble in Little China is one part a fantastic kung fu movie, but it's also like this crazy fish out of water comedy. But then it's also kind of like low key, this like sci-fi religious cult film. It's all over the place. And we were talking a little bit with Escape from New York, making a vast impact on the media industry as a whole. And I think Big Trouble in Little China's impact is just as significant. Shit. I think the thing is great on its own, but I don't know what more you can do with that premise than make another the thing that won't be as good. I don't think you could make the thing better. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be the beauty of it though? Yeah, I think part of that is what's so great about the thing and Big Trouble in Little China because honestly, I don't think that anybody could make like something that has the same tone as Big Trouble in Little China as well today. Usually when things like that get made, they're very tongue-in-cheek and like just a little more over the top, but Big Trouble in Little China still has this like wonderful campiness to it where it's like it still feels like a genuine attempt I don't know like the thing you were saying it before like it's his best made movie like far and away yeah <laughs> I've been known on the show to just go with the things that entertain me the most so usually I feel like I would be all for big trouble here but the thing is really like in my top five movies of all time I once again do not have a fight in this but I do want to mention like I like never like never have a physical reaction to movies like I don't jump for jump scares or anything but like the thing when they're like testing everybody's blood or whatever that had me on the edge of my seat and I straight up like would jump when the blood reacted to the uh heat and I can't say that for literally any other film like I think the thing from like to like get me to have a physical reaction is so rare like it ha like it's such a like great fucking movie for me it's just phenomenal what's great about the thing as well is like you know not like you know like what josh said first of all that scene is so great i crap my pants every time it's so awesome every time yeah <laughs> you know nate already mentioned it. it has amazing practical effects and what's also cool about it too is like first of all it's a reboot from howard hawks's 50s uh the thing from another world i think is what it was called but but with that it was just more of like a dude in a, in a it was a carrot monster basically yeah he went back to the short story and realized that it was in like in the story that it wasn't just a a man, it could be anything on that. He decided to that route. I think with that and just, you know, and I haven't seen the original Howard Hawks, just parts and 
know just enough but i feel like there was like able to play a homage and i haven't again I, i'm pretty sure he did i don't know i mean besides the whole antarctic thing that's the only thing i know with the two but he was able i think to establish and create a reboot film that was that could stand on its own but like uh probably has in, in it like some homage to howard hawks and i just think big trouble i think is for entertainment pure entertainment i think Big Trouble is like the number of Carpenter list for sure if you're just going on entertainment, but just best overall, I think just is like most, and I just hate too how like E.T. like crushed him at the box office and like really hurt. Cause I think if the thing got more attention and got more praise for what it is instead of like years and years later when it got the praise, I feel like he would have gotten, I don't know if he would have done Christine, but I feel like he would have had a much more successful career. I think definitely overall, I, I think the thing should, should be, number one and if anything big trouble has to be at number two i perfectly agree yeah i don't think we would have the among us game without the thing (laughs) (laughs) i i kind of when i made this list knew it was an argument i wasn't going to be able to win (laughs) i I think it's hard to point out anything like bad about the thing and big trouble in little china you could poke holes all through that i mean it's it's so dumb yeah i mean to poke holes in big trouble is to miss the point though yeah exactly big trouble is just meant to be fun everything about it's just meant to be enjoyable and Kurt Russell plays the biggest chat ever everything that happens in big trouble from like uh fucking wang is just like oh come on we got to pick up my girlfriend at the airport and then they run into fucking gods in like a back alley street fight that they just stumble into and then the entire rest of the movie Kurt Russell is just like what the fuck is going on I think it's Kurt Russell's best performance. It's definitely up there. At some point, we really need to rank like uh, director-actor duos because I feel like Kurt Russell and John Carpenter is so fucking stacked. And one thing that I also really love about John Carpenter is I'd say he is the king of cult classics. I think every single one of his film plays extremely well with an audience. The Thing is the movie that should have been his break into superstardom and it yeah. just underperformed absolutely it, it didn't resonate uh, at its initial release but of all of his movies it was the one that found its most success in like uh home video and like vhs sales and things like that the thing is like a blockbuster staple when it comes to renting a vhs tape a lot of these films might not have the appreciation that they do if it wasn't for the thing because people would kind of write carpenter off i think i just personally think that big trouble in little china was him embracing that cult classic thing to like the nth degree even things like escape from new york and and christine and they live are you know these like broad sci-fi genre or horror genre uh kind of like cliches but i mean i think he knew from the get-go he was making something that wasn't gonna land with big trouble in little china his original draft of the script was like 1970 or some shit he was sitting on this movie for his entire career and i think that's that really speaks true because in a lot of ways it, it feels like a martial arts movie it feels like a kung fu movie it feels like the movies his two favorite genres are the western and kung fu movies and you can tell that he took those elements and ran with them with the horror sci-fi genre but the thing wins <laughs> it was always going to i was gonna say like the one more thing with the uh one more thing with the thing like i wanted to make too like what i one thing I also love with, like, I keep saying thing, <laughs> thing does it best is 
uh, his endings. I love how Carpenter ends his films. They're more kind of opened or they, they end for the character, but they leave it open just for like the idea of what could happen after, like, you know, if they live, it ends with, uh, you know, uh, the main guy and uh, Ke David Keith's character dying, but, you know, they end up saving the day and every, like, all the aliens are. John Carpenter has awesome endings. And the thing I feel like is the best ending out of all of them, because I love the, how it ends on a mystery with you're trying to figure out who, if, you know, if one of them's the thing and you're trying to think just on little details of like, okay, what could be something that would trigger and maybe you know signal that this is the thing and like and every time i watch it i always just think about like i always look for the little details like for like the breath coming out of uh uh mcgretty i think it's like mcgretty kurt russell's character's mouth well the ending to big trouble and just how it ends all happily then this the monster just ends up on the truck and in your head you're just imagining like what adventure jack burton would be, would be on like after that whole movie and just trying to imagine like what story he would go on with that and just we all know what jack burton would do in a time like this who jack burton me <laughs> <laughs> thanks guardians of the galaxy the bit at the end is also great where he's asked uh, are you even gonna kiss her and he's just like uh, no and he just leaves it's awesome honestly i really am proud of this list i think it turned out really good i'm glad we were able to elevate big trouble in little china as far as we were i'm sorry halloween fans <laughs> rip it's all right they could redeem themselves in a couple weeks you guys have enough movies to cling on to you're fine <laughs> <laughs> well does everyone want to read their personal list sure should we go with the long ones first my lowest rated movie for him at number 19 is the ward Josh, it stars Amber Heard. It's his worst lead ever. At number 18, I have Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Think of a Chevy Chase movie that is not funny at all, and that's this. Um, it's really fucking bad. Uh, and then we got Ghost of Mars, probably his funniest movie, not on purpose. <laughs> uh, number 16, I have Village of the Damned, uh, another horror remake that does not live up to the horror remake that is the thing at all but you do have mark hamill as a priest and you have uh uh fuck what's his christopher reeve as the main character and then you've got someone's watching me a made for tv horror film pretty decent you also got elvis Kurt Russell is Elvis Presley in a made-for-TV drama. It's fine. Uh, Escape from L.A. was down here as well at number 13. Number 12, Dark Star. This movie was in my top 10 at one point. Uh, number 11, Prince of Darkness. And then number 10, The Fog. Number 9, the mouth In the Mouth of Madness. Number 8, Assault on Precinct 13. Number 7, Christine. Number 6, Starman. Number 5, They Live. 4, Escape from New York. Three, Halloween, two, The Thing, and number one, Big Trouble in Little China. Based. Nick, you want to go next? So like 17, I uh, was, uh, I got Ghosts on Mars. 16, I got The Ward. 15, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Um, I have seen Prince of Darkness. I have that at 14. Uh, vampires, like Nate, I've always wanted to see that one. I have not seen that one yet. For me, I always wanted to see just James Woods in like an action, more action role, because I just thought it would always be interesting to see. Uh, Escape from LA, 13. I had Village of the Dam, a little bit higher at 12. Uh, it's, yeah, Nate's right. It's not the best, but it's fun. Uh, Dark Stars, number 11, 10 Starman, 
9, Mouth of Madness, 8, Assault and Precinct 13, uh, 7, The Fog, uh, 6, Christine, 5, Escape from New York, 4, They Live, number 3, Big Trouble in Little China, number 2, Halloween, I Wish It Was There, number 1, The Thing. Okay, so my top 10 are, I haven't seen this one, In the Mouth of Madness, I just thought this sounded really cool, I was looking it up, The Fog, I haven't seen either, but I've... I'm very aware of its practical effects. I think they're awesome. Uh, number eight, I had Assault on Precinct 13. Number seven, I guiltily have Escape from LA. Number six, I have from I have Escape from New York. Number five, I have Christine. Number four, I have They Live. Number three, I have Halloween. Number two, I have Big Chop on Little China. And number one, I have The Thing. Jory, I think you have the next biggest list. <laughs> yeah, here's my top five. <laughs> number five, I have Halloween. Number four, I have They Live. Number three, I have Escape from New York. Number two, Big Trouble in Little China. And number one, The Thing. Josh and or Alden. Okay, I have a top five, surprisingly. All right, you go then, Alden. Five is Starman. Four is Escape from New York. Three is Halloween. Two is Big Trouble in Little China. And one is The Thing. I'll just say Halloween, The Thing, and They Live for the meme. Because it's the wrestling fan in me, I guess. I'm such a wrestling fanboy, guys. It is awesome. You are, though. Don't say that like you're not. <laughs> I mean, I also have that bias, so... <laughs> guys, I love The Tooth Fairy. Top 10 films of all time, because there's a wrestler in it. I wouldn't be surprised. The Chaperone starring Triple H. Yeah, I'm that much of a simp. What's the one with Edge? Oh, Money Plane. Money Plane, top 10. <laughs> Speaking of WWE movies, did you guys see The Call? No. Is that the Halle Berry one? Yes, yeah, with Halle Berry. I actually kind of liked that movie, the ending is really fucking stupid, but like other than that. Speaking of WWE movies, have you guys seen Oculus with Karen Gillian and Brendan Thwaites? A WWE movie. Yeah, it is. I don't know why it is, but it is. All right. Our group list. John Carpenter's top 10 movies of all time. We've got number 10, The Fog. Number 9, Assault on Precinct 13. 8, In the Mouth of Madness. 7, Starman. Six, Christine. Five, Escape from New York. Four, They Live. Three, Halloween. Two, Big Trouble in Little China. And number one, you know what it is. It's The Thing. Yeah. The Thing. The thing. We did good. We did good. He's, you know, he's done so much variety. I think if people just opened themselves up, they would find new favorite films within this filmography. I think that it's the variety that hurts his filmography for people like having seen all of them though, because like we recently did uh, Quentin Tarantino and with most of those movies, like you can kind of tell if you're going to enjoy Tarantino's style because it like has a through line through it. But like John Carpenter is just out here like, yeah, I'll make the thing and then I'll make big trouble in little China. That's why I adore him. This is so much variety and everything he's done. Yeah, me too. But it's just like, bro, what the fuck? Uh, I've got a question for the entire panel. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to come up with like an answer on the top of their head. What movie do you think feels like a John Carpenter movie, but isn't? And what movie do you think would be better if John Carpenter directed? Those are my, my two hot button questions to close us out. Oh, damn, that's really difficult. You can, you can think about it for a little while. I just came up with this question on the spot, so I'm, I'm trying to think myself. Are we allowed to go for very low-hanging fruit and terrible films? Or we... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, think about it. The dude could literally do anything and make it work, I think. As a big uh, Nicolas Cage fanboy, I would love to see him work with Nicolas Cage. So I would love it if Carpenter had done something like Pay the Ghost. Because I think Carpenter could have gone absolutely mental with that film. What if John Carpenter directed The Wicker Man? That's actually kind of where I was leaning to once he said Nicolas Cage, Jory. Yeah, that'd be dope. 
Because I feel like it goes in with that, like, yeah, John Carpenter also has horror roots. He hadn't really... Has he made, like, a cult film like that? Like, a movie about a cult? There's sort of a cult in, like, Prince of Darkness, but they're not, like, the main antagonistic force. I guess maybe Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I think that'd be a cool one. I'm trying to think of a movie that feels like a John Carpenter movie. I feel like Captain Marvel would have been better if John Carpenter directed it. I feel like Captain Marvel would have been better if anybody directed it, but it also would have been better if it didn't happen. Okay. A John Carpenter superhero movie would be pretty cool. I guess Captain Marvel's Alden's choice. <laughs> if John Carpenter directed like a Punisher movie. Oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be pretty dope. I'm going to say it. I think RoboCop is the movie that feels the most like a John Carpenter movie that isn't. You're absolutely right, actually. I might be completely missing the ball, but I'd like to throw Green Room in there. I think that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm trying to think, like, I feel like the biggest thing that jumps out about John Carpenter as a filmmaker to me is that all of his concepts feel like B-movie concepts, and then he just elevates them way further. And I feel like RoboCop is right in line with that. Because, like, I didn't watch RoboCop for the longest time because I was like, that sounds really fucking stupid. And then when I finally did, I was like, how have I been sleeping on this movie for so long? It's so much better than a movie with the title RoboCop has any right to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think RoboCop's in my top five favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's up there for me. Like, it's really fucking great. It'd be in my top ten. I was thinking of the Nicolas Cage thing, and I was just thinking, if I were to do, like, if you were to think of a Nicolas Cage movie with John Carpenter directing. I just want to see his like interpretation of something more in the superhero genre. Uh, Ghost Rider, my guy. That'd be pretty cool, actually. What if John Carpenter comes out of retirement to do Ghost Rider 3? Bro, I'd bust a nut. That would be so awesome. <laughs> Honestly, the only movie I can think of that if John War Carpenter were to direct, I think it would have been better. It was like a few years ago. I can't remember when. I uh, it was years ago called Lockout. It's basically kind of a... Uh, it's basically Escape from New York, but in space. I think Carpenter sued him. I think he sued the director of that film. I think if he would have, John Carpenter did that, it would have been awesome. I'm sure that happened. Like, that's such a familiar film that, like, Carpenter dead ass sued whoever wrote that movie. <laughs> oh, I never knew that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Rip. All right. I, I think I have my answer for what movie I wish John Carpenter directed. This was a movie we talked about last week. Uh, Nick, we did t my I made these guys, these clowns guess my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. That is accurate. It was rough and it was mostly my fault for being the contrarian that I am. But I had Return of the Living Dead in my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. And if John Carpenter directed that movie... I think it would be widely appreciated as one of the best zombie movies instead of being like a zombie cult classic. The reason it's kind of cheating is him and Dan O'Brien are like, or Dan, Dan O'Bannon, my apologies, are like best friends. Uh, Dan O'Bannon is the director of Return of the Living Dead. He's also the guy who did um, the special effects and creature design for uh, a lot of iconic 80s uh, movies. And I believe that was his first go as a director, which is crazy. But they worked very closely together on Dark Star. Yeah, I think if he did Return of the Living Dead, it would be a more consistent movie all the way through. And that third act twist reveal thing is straight up out of a Carpenter movie. In fact, it has a Carpenter ending. I'm pretty sure he wrote the ending with Dan O'Bannon. I think it would, like, I never thought of it, like, I think it would have been awesome if Carpenter would have done, like, a zombie film. Like, I like, now thinking about it, that would have been, that would be so dope to see. That'd be a dream. So, so Josh, do you think John Carpenter should have directed The Tooth Fairy with The Rock? Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I'm not familiar enough with his work to say what movie 
would have been better if he directed it. Hey, Josh. Josh. Hey, Josh. Say what? Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I don't know about that. Dude, it would have been Point Break, but better. You don't know? I just feel like Fast and the Furious, it's like, by the time they get to, like, Fast Five, we're going really off topic, but I feel like by the time it, they get to Fast Five, they know what they are, and they become really, like, self-aware. John Carpenter, I think, would have taken that franchise to a totally different direction maybe in a better way the fast and furious like they have their fans for a reason and maybe i i don't know if i touch that it's about family the doom movie because i'm such a wrestling simp but the doom movie maybe directed by john carpenter could have actually been really good and not like a meme no i want to see that oh that that actually that's a good choice that is a good choice jason statham and the rock doom John Carpenter, that would be epic. I was going to say with Fast and the Furious, though, I feel like how self-aware all of John Carpenter's movies are of how dumb they are. I feel like Fast and the Furious 1 would have already been at that Fast 5 point. That's true. Fast and the Furious 12, The Family Goes to Hell, directed and scored by John Carpenter. <laughs> they wear a painted white Vin Diesel mask. <laughs> they know what they're doing with the newest one poster come out where like there's a rocket ship and shit they know what they're doing they're going to space next holy shit actually like elon musk beat them to it but guys like look at this mask and tell me that painted white this shit wouldn't be chilling oh my god it's a vin diesel mask oh my god steven merchant is one of the only cool british guys and rob's the other thank you i'm gonna agree with you thank you Wait a second, what the fuck? Seth MacFarlane was in The Tooth Fairy, and so was Stephen Merchant. I've never actually seen The Tooth Fairy. Yeah, no, Stephen Merchant is like the superior fairy. He's like the one who has to train the rock. Didn't he direct Fighting With My Family? Pretty wholesome. That's half. All right, cool. Well, do our guests have anything they want to plug real quick? I'd love to definitely drop some links in the description for whatever you guys are currently working on. I know you're both also filmmakers. Yeah, well, um currently doing with my uh, screenplay for my third year at university. Hopefully that's going to become a long grant. Uh, it means I don't have to deal with any of the new COVID restrictions because I'm just writing a screenplay. And I guess just plug my to box them. Wait, you're not wearing a mask while you write your script, Rob? What are you doing? Well, I might be. I'm wearing two masks. I'll plug my letterbox, suffer through my generous reviews, me giving me films which are quite bad, to decent reviews because I love cinema so much. I will say you are one of my favorite follows on Letterboxd currently. And uh, I knew you had watched a fair amount of John Carpenter movies. Uh, and I'm glad we had you on as an emergency guest because my boys can't do homework. Dropping into the group chat and being recruited. So, you know, it was an honor. Hey, better to be drafted for Duel of the Takes than for World War Three, eh, Rob? Exactly, yeah. I can now be exempt from the draft. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Boys, you hear that? We're all draft exempt. Duel of the Takes contract clause. Nick, anything you want to uh, talk about, my friend? Uh, anything we can help uh, push for you? For me, like, like Rob, just working on... Uh, personal projects, one I'm working on with you, Nate. Hell yeah. Hopefully that one gets well that we do it. Uh, other than that, other than that, uh, I mean, if you want to watch short films I've done, Scary Box, uh, the YouTube channel, watch it there. Only got three shorts on there at the moment, but hopefully soon more. And the last thing I, I wanted to mention during the, uh, the Carpenter like whole talk everything nate brought it up when we were talking about the uh was it when he mentioned uh what was the movie he was oh uh return of the living dead I, when you're talking about the whole best friends thing i i wish we i for you mentioned it like with halloween i just wish we got to talk about it a little bit was uh i think we also got to acknowledge one thing with why i think john carpenter films are so great like with 
especially with its visuals, like we got to give credit to Dean Cundy, my man. Can't forget Dean Cundy. Hell yeah. I wish he did more of Carpenter's films. Because like him and Carpenter, I feel like they had such, like, I don't know, like I, to me, I felt like, I don't know like how they were personally, but like professionally and just like everything like they done together, I feel like it just, it fits so well and just, it makes a, like it, even though, like as other Carpenter movies, the other Carpenter movies that don't have Dean Company, Dean Cundy are Carpenter movies, but they feel I don't know, like with Dean Cundy, they have a very particular look to them. They feel more special, and also I just personally love Dean Cundy. He's probably I think my favorite cinematographer, and just any movie he's done with the, uh, John Carpenter, like I think like he gets he should he does get some credit to it for just how good it looks and stuff like that did you know that he did the uh the cinematography for jack and jill as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cinematography for don Cachino. finally a good movie four out of the five movies in our top five have dean cundy as the director of photography which is quite interesting yeah he did the he did halloween the thing big trouble in little china and escape from new york that almost could have been the top four <laughs> Yeah, representing Cundy. Awesome. Well, I just want to I want to plug one more thing for Nick. He won't say it. He is one of the best writers I know. The dude is constantly writing. Sometimes my phone will blow up at four o'clock in the morning with not one, not two, but three or four scripts to read. This dude's a machine. Damn, bro. Definitely check out his short films. I'm so happy to be writing with my good friend, Nick Alexander. We are the next uh, John Carpenter and in, in, uh, Dan O'Bannon. I hope we make money, though. <laughs> I don't brag or anything. I'm not a wrestling stan or anything. <laughs> you guys, that was a joke, right, Josh? What? <laughs> What's a joke? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Duel of the Takes. If you haven't already, check out the Duel of the Takes YouTube channel where we have highlights of every episode, bonus lists, as well as comedy sketches and more. Also, give us a follow on Instagram. We do interactive stories, daily movie and pop culture memes. Also, when we record, if we ever need a tiebreaker, we will now go live to you on Instagram, our audience, to get an answer. Also, if you want to be a part of the discussion, check out our Discord channel for movie debates, hot takes, gaming moments, etc. Check out Nick's catalog of short films and Rob's letterbox in the description below. Next week, we are talking about movie monsters with Andy from Breaktimers. And as always, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.